0: Well, hello, church family. This is my church family. Uh, we don't know each other really well yet, but we will. We will get to know each other, and we will be family, and God will bless that. Um, if you'll indulge me for just a moment here, I'm going to try and get through this part. I have some of my former church family that uh, surprised me by showing up today, uh, people that have encouraged me to be a minister before I was a minister. Uh, elders who prayed with me and helped teach me how to be a minister, and people that have impacted me uh, for decades. And uh, I'm very grateful to you to be here. And uh, I hope you get to meet them, because I would love for my new church family to meet, uh, the church family that I've had for a long, long time. Um, Let's pray before we get started, uh, because uh, we have no history yet. But we're going to. And so we're going to build that together. So let's ask God's blessing on that. So if you would um, bow with me. Heavenly Father, it is uh, for you that we gather together today. It is in your name. It is because of your grace. It is because of your mercy. And it is with great joy uh, that we come together as those who are redeemed. And we sing the songs of those that are redeemed. And so, Lord, we ask that as we begin our time together and we build our history together uh, as followers of yours, that you will be present, that your Holy Spirit will guide us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to always have our thanks in the cross of Christ, that we will put our hope always in the empty tomb, and that we will carry our joy with us everywhere we go in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news that will change this world. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for praying with me. I can't tell you how excited Melissa and I are to be here. We are thrilled to be here with you. It has been an interesting time, and I've gotten a lot of questions this morning, so I'll give you a little update. Uh, lots of people have asked, do you have a place to live? Well, kind of. We kind of do. Um, we, uh, we, we have been offered homes and help and places to stay from so many of you, and I can't thank you enough for that and uh, the generosity that, that you have provided in that way. Um, At the same time, we stayed uh, last night uh, with Carolyn Worley, who we have connection with from way back, and then we start today staying at uh, someone's vacation home. Julie is letting us stay at her place for a while, so we're going to be there, and in the meantime, we're trying to sell our house, and it hasn't sold yet, and so we are waiting on God with that, and I want you to know that has, in some ways, uh, inspired what we're going to talk about today is waiting on God and letting God do things in his time. So I'll tell you, I am preaching to me as much as I am preaching to anybody this morning. Uh, but we're excited to be here, and we're thankful to be with you. Um, things don't always go as planned. We always know that, and that's one of the things that I've been thinking about. This wasn't the way. I thought we'd be able to sell the house, and, and uh, things would, would happen in a different way, and they haven't. And weddings don't always happen the way that they're supposed to, and that's the story that we just read about uh, and this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You know, Jesus had been up, and, and he had been tempted, and he's beginning his ministry, and then he goes to this wedding, and then things don't go as planned. The wine runs out. And uh, I've done a lot of weddings, and I have found that very often things don't go the way that they're supposed to in weddings. I've had people uh, pass out. I have done a wedding one time where we ended up with both the bride and the groom and me all seated right here together, finishing that wedding. My favorite thing was to watch, uh, listen to my father and his friends. My father was a preacher for 50 years. He still preaches some. And to listen to him and his buddies swap stories of weddings and how they could go. He has the story of a a bride who tripped on the way up to the stage and began to laugh hysterically and could not stop throughout the rest of the wedding. And everybody in the audience was going, oh, look at her. She's crying. And he's like, she's not crying. She's laughing." She laughed and laughed through the whole thing. He's got stories of watching a, 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 a wedding done by one of his mentors way back who used a lot of the old King James English in a lot of ways and decided at the end of the wedding with this young couple, he told the groom that you may salute the bride because that is an old way of saying you may kiss her. You may salute the bride. And this poor young guy didn't know what to do, so he turned and looked her up, and snapped one off, and there you go. They don't always go the way that they're supposed to. And this one didn't go the way that it was supposed to. This, uh, things changed. The wine ran out. And I want you to know that when you're talking about a wedding in the first century in Galilee and around Cana, where Jesus was at the time, uh, the weddings were a big deal. This happened usually at the groom's house, and it could go on for days and days and days. This wasn't like the wedding that Melissa and I had in Coleman, Texas, where you had those, a spoonful of those mints, and the Peanuts with the red skin still on them, and a little bit of cake, and that punch made of sherbet and Sprite, you know? That's, and, and then we were out of there in an hour. That's not what was going on. Uh, you had a, a long event that invited the whole town, and they would all come, and they would spend days there together. And wine was a big part of the wedding ceremony, and it was a big part of what they would do there. And so when it ran out, it was a big deal. It was a, it was a huge deal. And it's interesting when we start looking at the characters in this story, that, of course, you have Mary, and you have Jesus, and you have his disciples, and you have the guests, and then you have the master of the ceremony who was kind of in charge. But the one that I'd really like for us to, if we could today, is, is to watch what happens with the servants, the servants that are there at the wedding, um, the ones that, that Mary ended up saying, do whatever he tells you to do, which is such good, wise, good, wise uh, uh, advice for any of us. And, you know, the servants at a wedding are not supposed to be seen. They're not supposed to be an important part of what happens. They're kind of like the referee in, in a game, right? Uh, you, you, you're not supposed to notice them. If they're doing their job correctly, you're not supposed to notice they're there. And that's the way it would be with servants at a wedding during this time. They're supposed to be in the background. They were supposed to be behind the scenes. And it's not something you, sh- you should see unless something goes wrong. And what do you do when things go wrong? What do you do when the wine runs out? when you don't have what you need to continue the ceremony, to continue the reception and the party that's going on. I imagine that what happened was there was a lot of conversation probably back behind. There was some finger pointing. Whose job was it to make sure that there was enough wine? Who didn't make sure that there was enough wine? Who's pouring too big of glasses of wine? Who's, who spilled the wine? Whose fault is this? And what are we going to do about this? And what are we going to do when this wine runs out? And while that conversation is going on, Then there's another conversation, and it has to do with Jesus' mother. And she injects herself into this obstacle and into this problem. And I love, I love the way that Scripture tells us about her conversation with Jesus having to do with this problem. Because one, you got to wonder, why does she have anything to do with this at all? And there's so much that's not being said in this, but there's so much that obviously is going on behind the scenes and between the, uh, the writings that we get here. Because what you have is folks going, there's not any more wine. And in some way, the mother of Jesus going, well, my son can fix this. I don't know why she thought that. I don't know why she imagined my son can fix the wine problem that you have here. Especially when you consider the fact that they're saying this is his first miracle that he will perform. He has not been doing this at weddings. This is not something that he's known for. But for his mother to look and go, my son can fix this. So she goes to Jesus, and she tells him the problem. There's not enough wine. And he immediately comes back with, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm a guest here. I'm a guest at this wedding. This doesn't have anything to do with me. This is not my time to do this. And in between Jesus saying, my time has not yet come, and her looking at the servants and saying, do whatever he says, Something happened because she wasn't listening to him at all. My time has not yet come. Do whatever he says. Now, that's the power of the mother, right? We know that, right? Because what you have was the mother of Jesus not only getting the servants to do exactly what she tells them to do, do whatever he says, but also God in the flesh to change his mind. Now, that's a mama, That's what a mama can do. And so things shift right then. Things begin to change. Do whatever he tells you to do. And so here's what he tells them to do. Get water. Go get water. Lots and lots of water. Now, if you think about this, you're short on wine, and we're supposed to do what he says, and he says haul water. And this isn't just a little bit of water. This is a lot of water. This is gallons and gallons it says that there were six stone jars and each one of them could hold between 40 and 50 gallons of water or 20 to 30 gallons of water each so we're talking about about i did the math on this about 150 gallons of water water weighs about 8.35 pounds per gallon so we're talking about 1250 pounds of water is what they go do 1250 pounds of water we're short on wine jesus says go get water and go haul water And you need to know that during this time, this was not a faucet. The water wasn't in the house. This was trips to the well for 1,200 pounds of water. And I don't know how many servants there were, but they couldn't take the big jars. They would weigh too much. So they probably took small jars, and they went back and forth from the well to the house, from the well to the jars, back and forth. 1,250 pounds of water. And you know they had to be wondering, as servants that are committed to doing whatever Jesus says, is to go, why in the world are we breaking our backs, hauling water? We need wine, and this guy's telling us to haul water. How in the world is this going to fix anything? How is this going to change anything at all? And I know that feeling, because hauling water is a great metaphor for what we do in life. We haul water. That's what we do as people. It's the work that we do. It's the things that we do around the house to keep the house running. It's raising kids. It's hauling water. It's all of this work and what we spend our time and our effort doing. We do it at schools, and we do it at jobs, and we do it with stay-at-home moms and dads. It's the work around the house. It is this constant work that it seems like, and sometimes it seems like it's all we do. And sometimes it feels like all we do is we haul back-breaking water all day long so that we can go home and we can go to bed and we can get up and we can start all over in the morning. And we haul water. Sometimes it can seem rewarding and sometimes it seems like torture because water is not what we really want. And water is not the thing that fulfills our life and that quenches the desires of our heart and that makes us whole. We want the wine of life. Now, before I go any further... As your new preacher, my first Sunday up here, I am not saying wine is the answer to your problems. I would like to make that very clear. <laughs> I don't want to start that way. So don't go home and say, the new guy says, wine's the way to fix this. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something special about what's going on here with Jesus. There's something special about him taking what is the mundane, what is the most plentiful resource In the whole world, the most common thing that there is on water on this earth and going, I'm going to turn this into something amazing. What I'm about to do is take the common and I'm going to turn it into the divine. I'm going to take it into the thing that you need and that you want more than anything in this place. And it's not just going to be regular wine. It's going to be the best stuff you've ever tasted. It's going to be the sweetest things you've ever had. You're going to be amazed. There's going to be people going, where did this come from? And that's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to take the ordinary and he's going to turn it into to the divine. Now, what we do is we haul water. We're people. This is a hard world, and it's a broken world. And so we spend a lot of time hauling water, and we do it for a lot of reasons. We do it for our boss. We do it for our own ego. We do it for our own security. We do it because maybe our parents pushed us into going, this is where your worth is as you haul water and you need to haul more than this person, and you need to compare yourself with the way you're doing it in this way, or we're trying to impress a spouse or someone that we're interested in, we haul water. And at the end of that time, if you're not hauling it to the right place, then all you got is a sore back and 1,250 pounds of water. Just water. And that's not what we're supposed to do, because we're people that wait for wine time. And we are folks that are expecting that from what God does in our life. The first miracle that Jesus performed is not just a cute parlor trick, and it's not just a wedding gift to go, here's some wine. What it is is Jesus going, this is what I do. I take the common, and I make it amazing. I take simple water, and I turn it into wonderful wine. I take fleshly things, and I turn them into spiritual things. I take the things of this world that seem so common, and I'm going to make them eternal and I'm going to make them wonderful, and I'm going to blow your mind with the way that I do these things. That's what Jesus did. If you think about it, that's how he entered the world. From a common manger to a king. He suffered the death of a common criminal on the cross, and he brought redemption, and he brought grace, and he made us all new again, and we had new life from what he did. He put the ordinary, flawed, weak people together, and he made the church out of them. He took 12 guys that were not students of a rabbi, that were common men in every way, and he's going to change the world with them. And he put the beautiful body of Christ together with common people, and then he goes, now watch what I do when I put my hands on this, and I change this into the divine. When I change this into the spiritual, when I turn this into something eternal, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be my work here in this place. Paul talks about it so well in Ephesians 3.20. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we seek, that we can imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. That's what Jesus does. He goes, I'm going to take common things and I'm going to do immeasurably more than you can think. I'm going to take people of this world and when they haul that water and they bring it to me, something amazing is going to happen. He takes the work of the average servant and then he turns it into something that we need. He turns it into something that fills us. He turns it into something that makes us complete. It's not just any wine, but it's the best wine. It's the best stuff in the world. As followers of Christ, we should expect wine. We should expect the amazing. We should expect that which transcends just this world and just this time and just our effort because we're followers of Christ and that's what he does. Now without Christ, you still haul water. We have a whole world and you can see it that's out there hauling water and they're killing themselves. They're trying to make a life. They're trying to make security. They're trying to make their identity. They're trying to figure out everything they can in this world and they just haul water and they haul water and they haul water but they take it and they just leave it as water. It doesn't go to the master who turns it into something amazing. And what they end up with is a life that can be empty, and you can end up with a life that's still wondering, where is the eternal? Where's the change? Where's the transformation? And because it hasn't been touched by the Savior, it will never be that. So here's some things that we got to consider with this and that are really important when you start thinking about this whole story of how this works. What's common and what's divine? And one is you need to remember that only Jesus makes wine. You don't do that. You don't have the ability to do that, and you don't have the responsibility to do that. And I'll tell you, when we come to understand that, when you come to understand you don't make huge spiritual change, that's not what you can do. You don't change people. You don't change hearts. It's freeing. And one of the best parts of this story is to understand that we have freedom in Christ to understand what we can do and what we can't do. This first miracle is about Jesus going, I'm going to explain the relationship. I do eternal things. You don't. And that's good, right? I heard a minister, old minister one time say, he goes, you know the biggest difference between you and God is he's never confused into thinking he's you. (laughs) Oh, that's good right? He's never confused. You don't want to get in that place where you realize I have to make all of these huge eternal differences is to go, we don't do that. I'll tell you, as your preacher, I've thought a lot about being here. I've thought a lot about coming to this church, about what expectations may be that you have for me or that I've put on myself about what this is. I would love to be in a place where we are all free of the things of this world that scream for our attention and that try and enslave us. I would love for us to be a place of mature believers who are able to trust in every way what God does. But here's the deal. I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. I can't even do that in me. Right? I'm waiting right now for wine time going, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know where it's going to be. And you know what? That's going to be okay. We're going to haul water for a little while. And then in God's time, we're going to let him do that because he does those things. He transforms things. He turns the common into the miraculous. That's what he does. And so I don't have the ability to make people more mature in Christ. I don't have the ability to save anybody. I don't have the ability to redeem anybody. But what we can do together is we'll keep pointing towards Christ. We'll hang on to each other as we walk towards the Savior. We'll do it together. We'll love each other well. We will come and we will sing songs to God. We'll haul that water. We'll, we'll read the scriptures together. We'll talk together about what it means to follow Christ. We will do all these things and then what God will do is God will transform people. He'll make us new. He'll make us different. He'll do miraculous things in us. But we don't do that. Only God does that. And it is a blessing to come to realize what you can and can't do and to be free of that and to trust Christ in what he does. I'll give you another example for those of you with little kids. We wanted, from the time that our kids were little, boy, we want our kids to walk with the Lord. We want them to know the truth. We want them to walk in the grace of our Heavenly Father more than anything. And I remember my wife and I, Melissa, talking when, when they were younger, and we were like, what will it take for us to make sure that our kids walk in the truth of God? What can we do to guarantee that this will happen? What can we do to make sure they will know more than anything? And you realize there's nothing that we can do that will guarantee our kids walk with Christ. We want our kids to be transformed by God, and only God does that. We can't do that. So we haul water. We bring our kids to church. I'm sure some of you know this. I remember when we first started going to Westover in Austin, we came and we had a two-and-a-half-year-old and a a six-month-old. And we would come to church, and we would sit there, and then we would leave. And Melissa would go, do you know anything that happened today? And I go, no. Nah. I don't know anything that happened. I'm, I'm finding crushed goldfish in the creases of my pants and in my collar. And I don't remember what the sermon was. And I don't remember what the songs were. I don't remember any of that. But what we were doing was we were hauling water. Because what we had was we had little kids. And we were going, this is who we are. This is where you go. This is where people will love you. This is where transformation happens. These are people who will celebrate with you, rejoice with you in Christ. And these are people that will weep with you when you go through hard times. This will be your home. This will be the place where you'll find truth. These will be people who will speak the truth of Christ into your life. This is what we do. And so we haul water. And we waited for Jesus to turn it into something amazing. When wine time came, and you get to stand there and you take your kids and you baptize them into Christ, and you go, I wasn't able to make this happen. But we hauled water for a long time. And Jesus made something miraculous happen there. Only Jesus makes wine. You don't have to do that. You just haul water. The next thing we need to remember is that only the water that Jesus chooses gets to be turned into wine, He gets to decide. You can haul water a long time, but if you don't put it in the right place and if you don't put it in the right hands, it's never going to happen. It's water that was laid at the feet of Jesus. It was what was hauled in there and given to him out of some sort of obedience or some sort of faith to go, okay, we ran out of wine. We're hauling water. Here it is. Hopefully, he'll do something with it. And Jesus makes that decision. You take it to the master. Only the master's touch on water turns things into the divine. He's the only one that does that. And sometimes it is just pure obedience to go, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know the outcome of this at all. But I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the effort of my life. I'm going to take the things that I do. I'm going to take the work that I do. I'm going to take the family that I have. I'm going to take the things that he's placed in my hands. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay them before the feet of the master and watch him do something amazing and miraculous with that. That's what he does. Wine comes from the water that Jesus calls us to haul and from the water that lands at his feet. And then finally, Jesus turns water into wine at the time of his choosing. It's on his time schedule. It's not on mine. This is one that we've been talking about for a while. We've been trying to figure that out and the move and what's been happening here and realizing that's not our job, not in charge of that tell you what I'm in charge of. I'm in charge of the things that God has placed in my hands. The places that we get to go. Wherever God places us, that's the place that we'll haul water. That's the place that we will take something that is ordinary and that is common, and we will set it in the hands of our Savior, and we'll watch what he does to that. It's at his time. I've always wondered, when did the water that was brought actually turn into wine? Because you've got to think about this. The servants made trips back and forth, and I'm assuming it's water, and you pour it in the big jar and it's water. And then it says they filled them to the rim, and it was still water. And then, it, and then he said, dip some out. So when they dipped, did it turn from water to wine? When they dipped and they poured it in maybe a pitcher or a glass to take to the master, did it turn to wine? Did it turn on the walk on the way there? Did it not turn until it touched the lips of the man? I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. It was when Jesus decided it was time. At his timing, things change into what he wants them to be. And we get to wait on him, and we get to fall into his timing because his timing is what matters. That's what makes the difference. And that takes great trust. Because I know I would have had my timing. I would have liked if I was a servant to go, man, it would sure be nice on my fourth trip up this hill from the well with this jar to at least see something's happening. Can you show me a little bit of wine? But in his timing, and because he says when it's his time, I know I've been there before and I go, when are we ever going to get any wine out of this, man? It seems like we work and work and work, and you don't always know because Jesus says, when I say so is the right time for these things to happen. That was the things when you're raising kids that you realize is you plant this seed and you haul this water and you raise these kids and you want your children to know the truth of this world. You want them to be able to handle the hard stuff that happens in this world because it's a broken place and it's going to be difficult in a lot of ways. And what I want more than anything is I want to be able to see this transformation happen in my kids and in the people that I love and the folks that I talk to and folks that you share the gospel with. But when it's time... When Jesus says it's time, that's when things turn to wine. I think one of the reasons he doesn't tell us is we can't handle it. I don't know if Esther would have been able to handle if early on God had told her, by the way, I've got work for you to do, and it's going to save your whole race of people. I think that would have been too much for her to handle. I don't know if Joseph would have been able to handle that from the pit he was in or from the jail that he was in. For God to say, hey, I'm going to use you to not only make sure that your people don't die of famine, but that the country that you're going to be moved to won't die of famine. I'm going to use you to save all of these people. I don't think they would have been able to handle it. I don't think Abram, when he was told to go to the place that I'm going to show you, would have been able to handle to go, by the way, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And through you, all the world will be blessed forever. How in the world do you handle that sort of thing? So instead, what happens is God calls us we do the work and we haul the water and at his time he makes something amazing happen so I tell you for those of you who took two hours getting little children ready to come this morning you chase down socks and shoes and you would put them on and then they came back off and you couldn't find the clothes that you laid out and you're trying to get them here so that they can come to hear stories about the God that loves them and you tried to make sure that they get here so that they will learn what it means to be part of the family of God, I will tell you, wine time is coming for you. God will deliver. For those of you who struggle to remain patient, and a Christian example, as you raise teenagers and they're starting to learn more about who they are and exploring this world, and you're trying to show them what it means to carry water for God, I will tell you, that wine time is coming for you. The Lord will deliver on what he promises. For those of you that are in marriages that may seem hopeless, or some of you that came alone today because your spouse doesn't know the Lord yet, I would implore you, you keep hauling water to the feet of the master and watch and see what he does because wine time will come. And for those of you that are single and are faithfully hauling water for Christ, while it appears that no one else around you understands why you do the things that you do, you remember that the Lord will make good on his promises and wine time will come. For those of you that are exhausted, because you're trying to appear that it's okay when you've had loss, you've lost spouses, maybe you've lost children, you've had difficult times in this life and it seems like you haul water to the point where your back breaks and you can't hardly do it anymore, then I tell you, let your church family help haul it with you because sometimes you can't do it all by yourself and don't forget that wine time is coming from the Lord and for a church for all of us that meet here in this place let us remember we don't turn water to wine we don't have the ability to do that only Jesus does that but what we do is we gather together we remember the work that God has given us to do to teach to reach out, to sing songs of praise, to celebrate with each other, to mourn with each other, and remember that in that time, what God does will turn it into something divine, something eternal, and something that will last forever, and we wait for wine time. Now, I'll tell you, if you're here today and you haven't yet made the decision that you want to belong to Christ, And you're tired of just hauling water in this world and seeing nothing come from it and seeing that what you get is you get a whole bunch of plain water and you get a sore back. Then we want to tell you, this is a place where we will show you what it means to bring it right to the foot of the master. We would love to help you see what it's like to give your life to Christ and to watch him all of a sudden change the things that you do in your life into the things that are eternal. And we would love to help you with that. And we want to tell you, too, if your back's broken and you're tired and you're worried and you need some help and you need some prayers, we're here for you to be able to do that. And if you need some help with hauling the water of this life, we will be there for you to help you with that, too. We are a place that knows where the water goes to become something that's amazing. And we would love to teach you about that. We would love to tell you more about that. And we invite you to come and to be part of that if you need to. There will be people that will be around here to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to tell you about who this master is that turns things from the common into the eternal, and we would love to be able to do that. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you for this first miracle. We thank you for what it means, for what you've shown us in it. Lord, we thank you that that you can take the common, the everyday, and you can turn it into amazing Uh, spiritual, eternal, divine things. Lord, we thank you that you've done that with us. For those of us that call you Lord, we have been remade, we have been redeemed, we have been changed and transformed, and it is through your work and not our own. And so, Lord, we trust in you to change us, we trust in you to make us who we are to be. And, Lord, we ask that you would bless this church as we share that with the rest of this world. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.